will fix you. Hello, most succulent listeners, and welcome to this, a fine day of fixing. A bright day, a day that will reverberate down the ages as it heralds the coming of... Oh, fuck, 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 that's a week on Thursday. How shoddy of me. Still, might as well fix you while we're here, Ray. If you would like to be fixed today, you can contact us on We Will Fix You Show at gmail.com. Joining me today, Mr. Dave Condry, the disembodied spirit of an Egyptian princess trapped in the body of a swarthy Trev's big and tall shop mannequin. Hi. Myself, Roger Hart, parliamentary undersecretary to the Department of Wheezing and Clattering, and Ms. Lucy Boys, who is not getting any less fibrous. It's true, I'm very dense. Not stringy at all. Our question, also not stringy. It begins. I share an office with a very angry man. Although we don't work together, everything he says or does comes across as angry, even if those words are, I'm having a good day! This means that I spend a lot of time feeling anxious and on edge. I know none of it is directed at me, but it's hard to relax into my work when he's in the room being very loud and very angry on the phone with other people at his desk. Importantly, the main issue is his tone, not his actual words. He doesn't swear, or not much anyway, and the anger doesn't seem to be directed at people, but everything he does comes across as loud and angry. How can I learn to relax into this, my work environment? Well, first up, um, this ain't about you. Like, how can you learn to deal with someone else being a thundering cunt? Like, nah. Um, are we all pretty much on the same page here? Mm. Largely, yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's victim blaming and then there's like internalized self-blaming for... Oh, whatever. Point is, not your problem. What's interesting about this is it sounds pervasive rather than spiky. So anger responses are off quite often sort of up and then down. And well, I, I have a bit of a temper. I can be a bit prickly. And it, it's tiny but very high peaks that don't last for very long. If this is pervasive, that's quite interesting. Anger can be a fight-flight response, it can come from anxiety, it can come from lots of systemic psychological issues. It can also key into kind of neurochemical responses. There's a kind of analgesic soothing effect when it subsides, not unlike eating a chilli for the endorphin hit that comes afterwards. Mm, Ride that pain. So there are some people, this is kind of niche, but there are some people that regard it as almost an addictive response to a a stress scenario of kind of, grrr, You can see that becoming psychologically ingrained as well as yeah. biologically as well. I do shouty thing and things happen as a result. Yeah. And it has, it has many mechanisms and flavours. Um, one, one view of the way it works is kind of as part of a threat response of invalidating a threat. That anger kind of dismisses threat and asserts ego. Um, or a kind of a savage rejection of a kind of inequality or systemic mismatch in the world. Almost like a kind of Hegelian tragedy thing where two worldviews or perceptions clash. And so you kind of, the gears grind and you go, grrr, and something happens, and that's the catastrophe, and then everything feels soothed afterwards. Um, The crunch of inscrutable system. All of this stuff fits very badly with being angry all the time. This is all kind of event-based. And if someone's angry all the time, I'm I'm really worried. Um, I think about my little kind of fury reactions, and they're often about feeling powerless. 
And a lot of a lot of diagnoses of pervasive anger or anger management problems suggest that it kind of comes from issues within yourself, insecurity, powerlessness. Childhood trauma to that effect. Yeah. When I worked in customer service, something I didn't realise at the time because I was too busy resenting the customers I was dealing with or being miserable or being self-obsessed, but something I realised years later was that customers got angry first and foremost when they were made to feel small, when they were made to feel stupid, when something happened that confounded their expectations, not, not just in an entitled way, but and made them feel small. So a, a weird queuing system or an ordering system or some inscrutable bureaucracy. If people rocked up with their assumptions, came crashing into a different system, and the resulting conflict somehow made them feel like they couldn't navigate it or they felt small, they would kick the fuck off. That kind of savage rejection. And it reminds me of when I get angry, like it, it, if, I, if something should be bloody working and it isn't and I can't make it work, then I'm inadequate and I don't understand what's going on and, and I, just, I just shook my fists and made that noise and that's exactly what I do when I get spiky angry. There's got a little outlet valve thing, it's this sort of petty, impotent fury. If this person is having this all the time, then they could be suffering from crippling inadequacy, they could have some serious pervasive problems. Basically what, what, I'm, what I'm coming for here is that Cat and Shouty is probably not okay. Like, probably quite badly not okay. And this is why you shouldn't worry about what I'm about to suggest. What I'm about to suggest is effectively non-consensual medical treatment. And normally that's a problem, normally there are... It's a red line for some people, isn't it? ethical issues. But you know, it's benevolently unethical. The best, albeit most boring kind of unethical. What we're gonna do is we're gonna stealth some anger management tactics into your work life. This shouldn't be on you, like it shouldn't be up to you, and if you can get other people on side, this is gonna get a lot easier because you may not have the power to do this. So what one possible thing is to have some conversations around your organization before this to see if other people are feeling this pain and see if they wanna come with you on this journey. Some of the things I'm gonna suggest might actually make things a little bit better, or at least more fun for everyone. So um, I've only picked a couple of ideas. To broaden this out, I would suggest reading up on anger management and seeing what else you can kind of slither into your daily life. If this fails, the heavy duty version of sneaking in some psychological techniques is to sneak, sneak in some psychiatric techniques, um, by which I mean just dump a load of ketamine in the water cooler and he'll chill the fuck out. Um, His bladder will slowly disintegrate over time, but that's also not your problem. Anything to calm him down. Ketamine was just the first thing that came to mind. But, you know, just some downers. Like, just, just water cooler, drugs, sorted. That's, that's the hardcore, but I want to try some behavioural stuff first. First off, cons. So, it sounds like a lot of the problems in Mr. Angry's speech style. His, his tone, his presentation, the way he interacts with the world. So, do you have any control over the corporate style guide, or any codes of conduct, or kind of things about the way the organisation communicates? If so, or if people you can get access to do, um, we can inject some phrases or run some workshops to naturalize it. Hey, we're introducing some new corporate comms guidelines. We want to kind of make sure that everyone stays on brand. Here are some workshops where we're going to like, hey, oh, that's bullshit. Um, so, for example, uh, this is a specific piece of advice for managing your own anger and the way you present to others that um, resonated with, sounded quite cool. It's from, just from the NHS Choices website, but try to avoid phrases that include certain words and terms. Always, for example, you always do that. Never, for example, you never listen to me. Should or shouldn't in a very provocative way. Uh, must or mustn't. Ought or oughtn't. Not fair. Not fair is a big one. These are kind of nexuses of tiny impotent fury. I'd like, I'd like to hear more people saying oughtn't. I think it's disappearing mm. from the language. 
statements. Well, I'm going to have to mandate this against the style guide, though. Yeah. Basically, find totemic anger phrases, particularly ones that go to the actions of ego on circumstance. It's not fair, I must, you, you never. Get them stricken from the corporate style guide and, um, and run some, some workshops to kind of naturalize this for everyone. What we're going to do is we, we want to get this person to enact the processes of anger management as part of their daily job without realizing they're being therapized, essentially. Um, then sort of other similar tools. You can disguise it as collaboration advice or something modern and wanky, depending on how trendy your workplace is. If you're running workshops anyway, um, craft activities and creative activities are often said to help with anger management. Could you, as part of something in your work life, run a, oh, I don't know, a cross-stitch workshop or origami or uh, finger painting? Work in some creative activities. Creative outlets are quite often said to help you with your anger. Likewise, exercise um, for evenness of mood and general well-being. Not everyone's going to be down with mandated exercise at work, and it's kind of ableist as fuck, so mm. be very, very careful with that one. But sort of soft mandatory or kind of encouraged anyone that feels able, there are ways of having inclusive language about this. Uh, making, making opportunities available rather than pushing it, maybe don't make it mandatory, but you know, publicize whatever sports clubs you have or if there are yoga classes. But can you do things to work techniques that help people manage angry behavior into your daily work life such that you're effectively kind of hacking therapy into this person's ambient life? And again, if that doesn't work, kilo ketamine, water cooler, jobs are good. It's a bold approach. What else do we have? Same thing, different angle. So there's a lot there's a lot to do here. You need to keep a distance, keep your anxiety under control. You need to involve other people, both for your safety and for confirmation that this person is doing what you think they're doing, that it is a problem. You need to fully comprehend on an emotional level that it's nothing to do with you. When 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 someone's that angry, the squirrely parts of your brain are gonna kick in and the anxiety and the flight-fight response is going to make it about you. You've got to avoid that. Fundamentally, you've got to stay safe. And also, you're going to have to undermine their fundament. Fundermine? If you will, yes. I will. Putting the fun into fundament. So again, this is a sort of medical ethics intervention-y sort of red line, but it's time for behavioral modification with laxatives and emetics. Ta-da! There are sort of forms of emetic therapy that have been done in the past, and generally they're, they're really quite horrible. I'm not suggesting you go all the way in for this, but if, if someone were to associate subconsciously or otherwise their worst fits of rage, with shitting themselves, that might work out for you. They might then start to adjust their behavior. So just grind up some laxatives, sprinkle them into their food. There's always food in offices, so it should be fairly easy to apply this. People are always eating in offices. And if that doesn't work out, a little bit of just, just oral emetics as well for, for a variety. And they'll soon start to associate their inability to control their anger with Going both ends. Going both ends, mm, yes. Like a Catherine wheel. Yes, but fundamentally safer to approach. Still not fun. Better for your fences. Yeah, not 100% free of scorch marks though. So if it doesn't, if it doesn't work, they're going to have to go to the doctor. The doctor's going to say, what are the lifestyle triggers for you suddenly shitting your pants? 
Well, Doctor, sometimes I've got a little bit of a temper. Let's try and get that under control, shall we? The Doctor will say, because they're not going to do any tests and they're going to do the bare fucking minimum possible. So they may end up with some whale song tapes or, uh, you know, a little bit of therapy on the NHS to try and help them get their anger under control. And then you've helped them. You're helping them. You're making them a better person and also making them shit themselves. A better, slightly slenderer person. Yeah. I mean, it could be good for them overall. Nice clean colon. I mean, we shouldn't fetishise weight loss or kind of an entirely clear clean colon, but mm. but they, if they if if this is, you could imagine a scenario, for example, in which the deep seated anxiety had to do with self image mm. to the point where shitting out several organs might happy side effect. Yeah, if they're this angry all the time, they've already got high blood pressure, and that's only going to be amplified by firstly being being overweight to any degree, and secondly having to strain on the bath in, uh, in the bathroom. You're fixing both of those things. Yeah, they're gonna like pop out half an intestine if they're not careful, so. Be yeah. cautious of prolapse. We always add that as, as a proviso to most of our advice. It's it is universally applicable. Emetastic, Ms. Boys. Funnily enough, my advice doesn't actually cross any lines of medical ethics. I feel like I've disappointed to some degree. Um, I think the first and most important thing to remember is that anger only has power over you if you let it, which can be hard to remember depending on what your background sort of with anger is, you know, if you might have sort of grown up in a home where people were perhaps unreasonably angry, it's very kind of hard to remember that, you can be triggered very easily. Um, but ultimately it doesn't have to impact you. Um, so one of the um, sort of crowdsourcing advice sites that I like to read, Ask Metafilter, had a question recently about working with a co-worker who yells, and some of the responses there are probably quite pertinent to your situation, but um, I think one of the things that people brought up was that when somebody else, there's a common perception that when somebody else has broken the social contract, it is the job of everyone else who wishes to maintain the social contract to kind of ignore it and smooth it over and keep it all good again. But this doesn't actually have to be true, and sometimes embarrassment can be a really powerful motivator for change. Um, I think we've talked before about the sort of the idea of a missing stare where people get so ingrained with someone's particular piece of bad behaviour they just kind of hop over it and don't remember it's there and then a new person joins the group and is like, whoa, why are you guys compensating for this nonsense? And indeed, why are you compensating for this nonsense? I think my favourite response to the, uh, the thread about working with someone who yells was to go back with something like, Jesus hopping Christ, Stephen, we're trying to have a society here, the whole goddamn office doesn't need to hear your problems. Just, you know, give them some of it back and see how that goes. <laughs> I, think, I like that. You know, if you just try being a little bit more shouty, aggressive or full on with this person than you normally would... I think the chances are that he'll probably be baffled, but so that's... How are you? I'm having my fucking lunch! It's great! <laughs> yes, you can imagine some fun yeah. in that. In, in terms of sort of management on your side, spend some time thinking about what is the actual impact this has on you other than it's sort of broadly unpleasant to be around this person, you know. What of it can you ignore or block out? What are the worst consequences of it that could happen to you? You know, okay, well, this person could start intimidating me, but then I could give feedback on that or I can ask to move somewhere else. You know, you probably have ways of dealing with this if it becomes more personally unpleasant. What of it can you ignore whilst it is not? You can also cultivate an attitude of just not giving a shit at all. I think anger to some extent expects a response broadly and specifically, depending on how it's applied, and that is usually the person it's directed at being sort of more frightened and cooperative as a response. You 
don't have to honour that unspoken contract, you know. Yeah, it's, it's very much structured as part of a weird behavioural conversation. Yes, and you don't have to join in that dance at all. You could ask nicely for them not to talk to you like that, say you're not willing to interact with them if they're talking to you like that, stay calm and unaroused while you're having that conversation, don't give them anything to kind of hook on to. Um, so being Teflon-like will probably make them more angry in the short term, but it will also teach them that they're not going to get a response from you if they act that way. I think as, um, as Mr. Hart said before, this is probably a lot worse for him than it is for you. You can try feeling sorry for him. I mean, he's a horrible, shouty, angry man. That is probably not a very satisfying thing to be. Every time he starts going off on one, just think about how nice it is that you get to go home and not be him. You know, you after 40 hours a week, you're free. He has to be himself the whole time. Mm. And I also think you can try and find some kind of fun and ridicule in this. You know, he's, a, he's an angry dude, so you could maybe kind of use traditional ideas of masculinity to puncture him a little bit inside your mind, you know. Imagine him absolutely fucking furious trying to do something very kind of stereotypically tender like arranging flowers or icing dainty little macaroons or cuddling a little dog. Fucking and he's really angry, he's not hurting the dog but he's pretty angry and, now, and next time he gets mad at you about something stupid in the office just imagine him icing his fucking macaroons. That's what I do, I think it sounds quite funny when you phrase it like that. You have delighted me. I'm glad. <laughs> Just, yeah, in his frilly little apron with his bright red furious face and his fist around the piping bag. Little pink flowers! Yes. So pretty. So angry. Oh, a rare moment of adviceful consensus. The only time I can recall us being that unified was the pact we made never to talk about the thing that happened in the mine shaft with the... You've well, gone too far. Yeah. Took a while to mop up, didn't it? If you would like to ask us some questions, not about the mine shaft, do get in touch at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com. Bye bye.